Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hello, everybody, and welcome to New Books in Israel Studies. I'm Yaakov Yadgar, the host of the channel. Uh, today, we will be talking to Professor Benjamin Brown about his new book, The Haredim, A Guide to Their Beliefs and Sectors. Brown, a professor of Jewish thought at the Hebrew University, offers in this book a mapping of the various sects that compose Jewish-Israeli ultra-Orthodoxy. He aims to provide his readers with a respectful yet critical approach to a rather diverse community, which in many senses has become an Israeli other. Professor Brown, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, I wonder if you could begin by telling us a little bit about the background for writing this book. Can you please describe what brought you in the first place to offer such an overview of the ultra-Orthodox sects in Israel? Um, Yes. Actually, um, many people that I met after the book has been published uh, told me that uh, such a book was very much missing, and uh, they were really happy to have it already. Uh, The idea was to give the Israeli reader who wants to get more than a glimpse on uh, uh, Haredi Judaism something that will be uh, quite comprehensive in the sense of uh, showing the, the broad picture, but on the other hand, not too nitty-gritty and meticulous in terms of uh, getting into small details or unimportant uh, aspects uh, of, of the Haredim in the present and the past. And the idea was uh, to show that this black, big black block is not so uh, uniform as it might seem to the ordinary reader and not so... Uh, un, uh, uninteresting as a, or threatening as it, says, it may seem to more hostile readers, but something that has its own dynamics. And you can understand, even if you don't adopt the Haredi perspective on the world, you can get into it and start thinking in some way uh, out of your box and to some degree within their box and see the world from their eyes in a little different way, which doesn't mean that you have to be convinced by their tenets, but... Uh, just see that they have their own logic, their own interior logic for the worldview. And for this, you don't need uh, only to uh, get into the uh, uh, ideas themselves, because that would be a much more uh, kind of uh, you know, theological, ideological text, but also to get into the uh, historical and sociological backgrounds that may, uh, brought this, uh, these, uh, uh, this worldview into uh, existence, because after all, Haredi Judaism is a kind of a responsive uh, a group, of responsive stream that acts uh, in constant dialogue with modernity, and uh, and so I, I felt uh, the need uh, to balance to some way between the historical, ideological, and sociological levels that uh, uh, give the whole picture to the reader. I understand. This is exactly the, the interesting aspect about uh, reading the book. It moves the reader between an ideational or a history of ideas kind of discourse to a more sociological um, analysis. Can you tell us how your previous work contributed to your overview of the Haredi community at large? 
Yes. Uh, I came to this field, uh, actually, it was, uh, if, if you allow me some personal uh, level uh, confession, yes, I uh, uh, came to this field from a uh, different perspective. On, 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 in the first place, uh, my main fields, uh, field of interest is uh, general philosophy. And I studied also law in uh, my first degree in the university. And uh, uh, the fact that I, I grew up in Nebuk, which is the capital, so to speak, of the Haredi, uh, Haredi and Jews in Israel. But uh, I found myself more and more, because of my Nebuk background, explaining Haredim to non-Haredi people and trying to convey this interior logic, as I, uh, internal logic, as I called it uh, uh, before. And uh, uh, the more I really... Uh, found myself really engaging into in that. Uh, I found it interesting, also not just as uh, someone who can help people understand, but something something that deserves uh, research. So I went into it with the notion that if you know the field, if you know the uh, the people in the field, uh, you understand that things are not only ideology and not only alaha. There is really a lot. Uh, in in uh, in Haredi ideology and uh, whatever has to do with that, that relates to the field, relates relates to life, to real life. But on the other hand, if you reduce Haredi Judaism only to sociology and say all they got there is is just responses and social means of defense and reaction, uh, you miss a lot. You miss a lot because, uh, as we know, uh, different uh, same same challenges uh, can. Uh, can bring forth different responses, different reactions by different people. So people facing the same challenges as them responded differently to them. And the fact that they responded that, this way and not, another, and not another way means that they have some form of ideology, even if they phrase it very badly, very poorly, uh, they have some ideology, they have some worldview, and uh, uh, it's, uh, in, a, in some way it's the mission of the researcher to help them, so to speak, to phrase it better or to phrase it in a way that even non-Haredim will, will understand. So when I first got into that uh, uh, notion, to that, to that understanding, uh, it was when I already finished my first degree and even practiced law uh, almost a year, and then decided that I would like to leave it and uh, get back into academy. Uh, I wrote about one of the most uh, central principles of Haredi Judaism today, which is Da'at Torah. Uh, pronunciation is is a doctrine that uh, attributes um, powers and uh, authority to the Torah sages and the, the rabbis uh, that goes far beyond their their fields of expertise uh, I mean uh, uh, they don't only rule in terms in in, in issues of halacha of Jewish law and uh, uh, Jewish textual, textual matters, but really in all fields of life. Uh, as the Chafetz Chaim phrased it, whoever has the Torah mind, the Torah, uh, can rule, can, can uh, say, uh, solve any problem in any field of life, public or private. And uh, this idea, which is uh, taken by most of the Haredim themselves as some kind of uh, dogma, uh, has quite a lot of literature about it within the Haredi world, where, where they explain it, where they show different approaches to it. And I wrote my MA thesis on that. Uh, and once again, people before me, this is one, was one of the very few Haredi principles that have been taught, uh, had been taught at that time, already, already before the field of Haredi thought was developed, and uh, uh, mostly in, in a historical and sociolog sociological levels. How these doctrines 
serves or functions within the uh, overall Haredi uh, uh, arena. And uh, what, in, what interested me as a, someone with the background with more philosophy and theology was not only that, but what's the uh, uh, kind of history of ideas aspect of, of, of this uh, doctrine, how it came uh, into existence specifically in that context, but also what was the sources from which it uh, uh, derived it, its, its, uh, its uh, contents, its uh, substance. And I went into that, and that was uh, and, and, and the different approaches that uh, exist to reasoning, to justifying this doctrine as well, because there were justifications, and justifications are already a form of thought. And all this attracted me very much, so I uh, wrote my, my MA thesis on that. And uh, I think that uh, already then I understood that I won't want uh, to do much more in, in this field. Uh, my dissertation was, my doctoral dissertation was, about the Chazonish, when I started writing that, I decided that I want uh, to concentrate on a very, very central figure. I wasn't absolutely sure what if it were Chafetz Chaim or the Chazonish, uh, but a very central figure because we don't have the luxuries uh, of writing about non-central figures when the field of Haredi ideologies is so uh, undeveloped, was then so undeveloped. Uh, a central figure that dealt both with Alakha because I wanted to... Uh, exercise my uh, halachic models as well, or uh, legal theoretic models on uh, halacha, uh, both on halacha and on ideology. So the same thing was uh, I, I did in my dissertation. I uh, portrayed the figure of the Chazonish. In the end of the day, I, I decided on the Chazonish, which was much more influential than the Israeli Haredi world. Uh, and uh, I took the Chazonish, I took his historical uh, uh, background, I took his biography, his, his life story, uh, I wrote about that as well, and uh, in order to get into the picture and understand the subtleties and understand the uh, context in which you lived, you can't understand the text without understanding the context, but that was not the main thing. The main thing was uh, portraying his worldview uh, versus either, uh, other ideological and theological streams in the Jewish world that uh, uh, he faced, and also much, much more than both of these, which is the great part of, of the book, is halachic thinking, is halachic uh, uh, work. Uh, also, not analyzed in just traditional ways, but also in legal theoretical models, which uh, help understand them in also non-Jewish uh, uh, studies context as well. Nice. Uh, so this is uh, what I've done, the, uh, the bigger works that I uh, had written before this uh, present book, but also in in smaller uh, articles and booklets that I've uh, written, I analyzed the uh, uh, intellectual history of the Muslim movement. Muslim movement also a fascinating movement that has been studied very much, at least not in popular way. And uh, uh, other um, themes in Haredi ideology, such as their relation to the state of Israel, their relation to uh, the Israeli democracy and democracy on the whole. Some of these uh, studies uh, went into this new book as well as part of their uh, uh, describing or uh, analyzing their worldview. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, uh, could offer the listeners a key to understanding um, the Haredi, Israeli Haredi society, what would it be? Is there one key that has been missing in the way previous discussions of the community uh, have analyzed it? Uh, in the ideological level, I think uh, you can give two main keys. Uh, I, actually, I suggest in the book, in the first chapter, I think, of the book, I uh, wrote what I called the Ten Commandments of uh, Charism, 
which are the first uh, basic principles, basic ideas that uh, every Haredi person would subscribe on. And uh, the two most principal uh, ideas within those 10, uh, I think, are the authority of the sages, as I said before, and what is derived from that, and the uh, idea which is a little less uh, studied, the idea of the uh, decline of the generations, meaning that uh, history goes not in course of uh, uh, progress, but... Uh, uh, on the, uh, the other way, uh, in, in, in kind of digression, uh, every generation is lesser than uh, the, the generation that preceded it. And uh, these two dogmas, I think, are to understand the Haredi worldview, not uh, sociology, not the social dynamics, but Haredi worldview, they're really pivotal. Uh, but uh, beyond that, I think Haredi Judaism uh, has other sub-dynamics or uh, patterns of thought that should be studied. For example, uh, we see today, that this is just an example, really just an example, yes. We see today that Haredi uh, Judaism uh, goes through many changes uh, toward some levels of modernity or modernization. Um, you see that all those who come with this or that justification to their modernized way uh, meet a very strong and harsh attack, uh, uh, react reaction on the uh, other side uh, of the uh, Haredi map or Haredi social arena. Uh, while others who say, uh, come on, I mean, it's uh, personal difficulties, financial difficulties, I can't really study in the yeshiva so long because I, I'm not patient enough, I have got uh, kind of psychological uh, uh, disturbance, whatever. Uh, all those who come with such arguments do not meet such a strong attack or opposition. This is also part of trying to understand the Haredi pattern of patterns of thinking, uh, which I use uh, for to describe it the halachic terms of lechatchila and diavad. If you come with an idea that the change should be done lechatchila, meaning ideologically, with intent, with uh, uh, justification, you're an epicoyus, you're a heretic, you're someone uh, who comes against the dogma, you're, you're kind of a rebel. Uh, on the other hand, if you go and you, you, you ask for much greater changes and much greater, greater concessions, but not in the name of ideology, but in the name of personal need and duresses, uh, people will be much more attentive and even accepting uh, when they come to allow you to, to, to do that change. And the Haredi Judaism today moves in both tracks. The Haredim who really come with ideology, kind of semi-modernist ideology. And there are the ones who are considered as real rebels and are in some way excluded from uh, the camp. On the other hand, the really big changes that take place are done often by Haredim who don't really challenge the Haredi ideology and really uh, uh, pledge allegiance to uh, uh, Haredi ideology, but on the other hand, in the field, do the greater changes because they actually change their, their basic mode of life. This is also something that I wouldn't call at all a basic principle or key principle or something to that, uh, something like that. But uh, I would call it, as, uh, call it something that you should know as, uh, if you want to really uh, come to see, uh, come to understand the Haredi psyche, the Haredi uh, mode of thinking. And this is one of the things that this book gives, uh, apart from other, other similar patterns that, uh, that I suggest, uh, often exemplified by uh, cases in Haredi history and Israeli history that uh, manifested uh, uh, on particular level. I see. 
So what, what, What's Israeli about uh, the Haredim? Uh, there's obvious comparison of, uh, well, your subject matter to orthodoxy in America, Jewish orthodoxy in America. Uh, what is specifically Israeli about the phenomena you're writing about? Um, there are two things. Uh, one, of, one of them, in terms of history, that history actually shaped the present as well, uh, is that uh, Haredi Judaism in the United States uh, did not opt for Uh, what we call scholar society. In Israel, Haredim went to a very revolutionary, actually, a revolutionary course uh, that Professor Nachum Friedman called scholar society, which means, Chavat uh, Lomdim, yes, in Hebrew, which means that uh, every Haredi adult, uh, even after marriage, uh, does not go to work, does not join the workforce, but uh, keeps studying in a koilel, in a study hall uh, for married men, And actually is uh, supported by the state, by the community, by um, uh, philanthropists and uh, other people, and runs the way of life that actually doesn't really he uh, suffices with the low standard of living in, in most cases, uh, sacrifices to some degree for his way of life, and uh, sees that as the ideal and does not engage in anything uh, for his livelihood. If, if uh, anyone does it, it's his wife and uh, Uh, the women, Haredi women, they undertook the, uh, uh, the burden of uh, bre- winning their bread and the family's bread. And uh, my wife, right, by the way, wrote about the justifications for that revolutionary move. And uh, uh, this uh, was quite a revolutionary thing that uh, created a very different, uh, actually a pre- unprecedented uh, kind of Jewish society where uh, scholars are Uh, most of the most of the men are scholars are studying Torah, which is not a practical subject, and only when they approach the age of forty or so they start looking for work because they have to marry their children as well and uh, uh, the American Haredi Judaism did not go to that direction, even most extremistic uh, groups first of all uh, uh, even in for example even encouraged. They are meant to go to work, and only the really brilliant ones uh, remain in study halls and, uh, and study Torah. And even the, the Litvish, the Misnagdic, uh, the non-Hasidic uh, uh, portion of the American Haredi Judaism, uh, took it quite uh, tolerantly if someone wanted to study, uh, take a kind of evening school, but uh, in academic uh, studies, yes, uh, take uh, evening university, And, uh, and uh, take uh, and uh, prepare the way for his leaving the uh, yeshiva and, uh, and going to joining the workforces, whatever it would like to be, after he, ma- he gets married or short after he gets married, longer after he gets married. So actually, we can say that uh, uh, from the outset, American Judaism was uh, much more moderate, a little more op- open to the... Uh, 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 wider society, at least in terms of uh, breadwinning. And uh, Israeli society was much more isolationist and uh, segregationist in terms of uh, all we know is just the yeshiva and the study hall of the Koila later. And uh, uh, if someone is engaged in, in this world, the activities, it's our wives. And uh, uh, in many ways, the Israelis, uh, Israeli Haredim, Uh, are uh, more closed, we would say, if we want to label it, or at least more. Uh, the other thing is that, uh, as, as part of that, by the way, during the 1970s, Israel Haredim also 
became a little more ideological uh, in terms of uh, uh, phrasing and, and uh, stating the Haredi ideology in some kind of confrontational way against the modern world, against Zionism, against Isra- the Israeli state, and everything has to do with that, a part of the influence of Rabbi Shachen uh, at that time, since the 70s till the 90s. So it's also kind of more more Haredi or more orthodox way within the orthodox uh, uh, um, spectrum. Uh, the other thing in which Israel Haredim differ is the fact that if you live among Jews, among Israeli Jews, uh, or actually people like you, it's, it's very different from living among uh, Gentiles. If you live among Gentiles, the other is much more otherly, and in, in some ways you have to fear less uh, and the uh, Israeli Haredim, uh, when once at last, yes, in the mid-90s and on, uh, started their processes of modernization, it came not only with modernization, but also with some sort of Israelization. Uh, in terms of, uh, and, and this is different because of the very scene in which we, both groups work, uh, American Haredim became more Americanized, Israeli Haredim became more Israeli. Israelized, so to speak, uh, and it's in. It comes in terms of uh, more solidarity with the state, more solidarity with, with in tacit, undeclared, unstated solidarity uh, with the Zionist uh, national uh, nature of the state and uh, he, Hebrew Hebrew culture, Hebrew uh, uh, slang, Hebrew uh, literature, even journalism. Anything to do with that has Hebrew internet, definitely Hebrew language for itself, yes, penetrated the Haredi world more and more, much more, I think, that than uh, English uh, went into the Hasidic community in the United States, States Hebrew did enter the, penetrate the Hasidim in Israel. Uh, so, uh, in many ways, the difference between Israeli Haredim and American Haredim is the difference between Americans and Israelis, because uh, they really went into this culture in different levels, indeed. But uh, step by step, step they, they adopted many Israeli features. I see. Well, uh, the book does uh, expand uh, uh, and illuminates the whole uh, question of the attitudes of uh, Haredim toward Zionism and toward Israeli politics, toward Israeli secularism. And I guess it's too wide in a topic to try and uh, grasp in one uh, interview but my question in this regard would be, what do the Haredim teach us about the non-Haredi Israeli society? This is obviously not the focus of your book, but if you had to contemplate this, what would you see as the main take of uh, this view? That's a, a really good question. I mean, that's, uh, um, I, I really I think it's it's important to to make this point clear. Uh, you know, we all the time in in the modern world, in the Western world, all the time. Other and we also created this term of counterculture. Uh, but to be frank, we on this issue uh, have uh, the, the modern world deals mainly with uh, kind of let's say fashionable others, and the uh, Western world deals with a counterculture which is not indeed a counterculture in terms of really countering the the very, very basic uh, tenets or dogmas of modern Western uh, civilization. Uh, what it was called, what was uh, named counterculture in the 1960s was the hippies. Hippies actually are uh, not really counterculture, but 
uh, in terms of of uh, challenging the principles of the hegemonic uh, society, but they're more radical on the, the very same values of that hegemonic uh, uh, society. If, if the, uh, the Western, civil, the modern Western civilization was based on values such as uh, liberty and equality, the hippies didn't subvert the ideas of liberty and equality. They were more radical on the values of liberty and equality. In, in that terms, they're not indeed countercultural. They only... Uh, uh, demand more consistency or more radicalism from the uh, 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 ruling classes or ruling uh, hegemony uh, to to be more loyal to its own values or to to be more consistent with consistent with its own values rather than uh, questioning that those values proper. Uh, and uh, this is actually what the Haredim do. Uh, Haredim are countercultural in the true sense of the word. They're, they're, uh, they did not come from the very same uh, cradle of liberty and equality of the French Revolution and all that stuff. They were countering that wave uh, since its outset. They really do not believe in uh, human autonomy. They don't believe in uh, liberty in the sense of not being uh, uh, subjected to authority. Uh, they're, of course, religious, while uh, the uh, hegemony is, is secular in its nature. Uh, they're uh, also not about equality, certainly not, not of women, certainly not of Jews and Gentiles. They're really, in fact, the real counterculture in terms of challenging our very basic uh, uh, premises or even dogmas of Western civilization. Uh, even my chapter on the criticism of, of democracy, some of what I'm saying now is, is in that chapter, chapter as well, because democracy is about uh, liberty and equality as well. And democracy, after the... Uh, uh, the fall of the Eastern Bloc is uh, actually uh, taken for granted. While the Haredim, uh, we don't see it often that way, but uh, we have to see it that way. They, uh, among other things, they also offer us a different form of government. Uh, first of all, it's not a state, state-based government. It's it's a community within a sovereign state. It does not presume to have sovereignty, but it does exert. Uh, power and and authority through social pressure and other means, and it that does have uh, its own hierarchy and its own forms of uh, uh, ruling of governing, and who stand those who stand in the at the top of this uh, 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 social political pyramid are the sages, the, the Torah scholars. In some way, uh, the Haredim is a religious form that is so to speak, the closest to the Platonic Republic of, uh, of Philosopher King. It's not philosopher, it's Torah Sage, but it's the man of, of letters, the man of the intellectual, so to speak, who governs, who stands at the top of the pyramid. So in many ways, uh, the most basic tenets of Western society are, are challenged by the Haredim and are challenged much, much more fiercely, but on the other hand, much more gently, uh, because they don't really argue with, they all the time see themselves as, as uh, being in defense, and they don't really argue or dispute or engage in debates against uh, uh, modern values or a modern philosophy or modern ideology or anything having to do with that. They're much more engaged in in defending and build, building their own walls against that modernity. But uh, within their interior discourse, they all the time challenge modernity and they all the time uh, offer a different perspective on the world. Uh, that uh, managed to even uh, uh, survive 
the strong waves of modernity, both in the 19th century and later in the 20th century, survived all those, those uh, big, strong waves of the age of ideologies and keep challenging modern culture and modern uh, values even today. And I think an open-minded person, not once again, open-minded is always, uh, the, the term open-minded is always attached to someone who is liberal. Open-minded in the, in, in the literal sense of the world, a person who is open to see uh, other perspe- perspectives of the world and try to get into their mind, even if he really rejects them and doesn't want to adopt them. Uh, Haredi, uh, Haredi world, the Haredi worldview is actually fascinating for such a person because it does offer such challenges. Mm-hmm. It's uh, interesting to note how Israeli society has chose to other the Haredim and not necessarily heed the criticism or at least pay attention to the criticism. And this uh, maybe moves us to another issue. Uh, well, you described your work um, as a combination of uh, uh, history of ideas and uh, a sociological or maybe uh, ethno-political view of, uh, of the society. And uh, any sociological study of a close community like the Haredim has to cope with the problem of voyeurism. Uh, you give in the book um, a, a very detailed account of uh, daily life, of practices, of dress, of uh, even uh, uh, rules re- uh, uh, regarding sexual relations between the sexes and so on and so forth. And one would be simply uh, overwhelmed to read such a review of other sects uh, or other segments of Israeli society. I was thinking while reading your book, What would happen if someone wrote uh, a similar review of uh, Israeli Tel Aviv uh, seculars, for example? This would be just another, either a joke or, uh, uh, or a reason for uh, protest uh, in the street. Uh, so the question I'm, I want to pose to you is, how does one avoid, when writing about such a close society who is by definition refusing to open up uh, to uh, such analysis, How does one write about it without falling into the trap of uh, voyeurism? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, actually, you know who asked me this question? A Haredi broadcaster that uh, uh, interviewed me for a Haredi radio station. He asked me, you're writing about us. Why, why won't you ask, uh, write a guide to the secular society? And don't you look at us as just as a biologist looks at, uh, at penguins? Uh, penguins in the <laughs> North Pole, he said. Uh, so, no, it's not that, and the, uh, this is one of the things in which this book differs from, from previous books that have, have been written about Haredim, uh, and they, here comes the importance of the chapters of Haredi ideology. Uh, all those uh, segments, in, in some of the Hasidic groups of them are right about, I really go into details about their interior conflicts and even to, I would say, kind of uh, semi-gossip about the interior uh, dynamics that go within them. It's always, but always, even when I go to, into those, uh, uh, you know, uh, sharp, spicy stories, um, uh, it's always a background. It's always just a, a context for the text, a, a context that give you, gives you a kind of a gateway into the real thing and the more important thing, which are the chapters of, on Haredi thought, Haredi values, Haredi beliefs. Uh, and I, I insist that if, if, if I uh, uh, wrote only about Haredi beliefs, Haredi ideology, not only that uh, it would be worse for the sales, but it would be wrong 
methodologically because Haredi worldview is created in constant dialogue uh, in, and is created in, with the uh, outside, but also is created in const, uh, constant uh, responses to interior dynamics. And interior dynamics are often very mundane and very earthly, and we have to understand that. For example, in my, my subchapter about Vizhnitz Hasidism, I show that the family story of the Vizhnitz uh, uh, dynasty uh, is standing in the background of some of the changes that Vizhnitz went through in this generation. In this generation, Vizhnitz has become from more centrist kind of uh, Haredi group into more radical, uh, ideologically more segregationist and anti-modern than before, even anti-Zionist than before, because the present Rebbe is, is such a type. And uh, the present Rebbe is such a type because he went through all kinds of conflicts in his life. Uh, and if we want to portray his figure, his, his personality, his, his ideological personality, you have to get into those nitty-gritty details, uh, family story and all that stuff. But at the end of the road, it's not him that is interesting or his family story. What is interesting is is the more... Uh, uh, substantive uh, description of Haredi ideology, Haredi values, Haredi differences between Haredi, differences between Haredi groups and their stories and their values and beliefs uh, and their norms, practical norms. Uh, and what the uh, uh, reader, I, I expect at least the reader to, to come up with is not uh, how those small stories really shape Haredi Jews. No, I want the reader to come up with the, uh, the notion of how... Uh, variegated this Haredi society, uh, how different the uh, Haredim are from one another, how within this very common uh, features of or uh, dogmas of Haredi ideology, there are variances, differences, conflicts, debates, interior debates, and uh, all these issues are really one big kind of uh, uh, mixture of, of different kinds of descriptions uh, which the book tries to go within and uh, find the balance between. So uh, that's a part of the, the answer, I think, to, to this uh, question of virism is uh, what you may call virism, gossip or whatever, uh, could be there to some le- levels, but it's never ever the main thing and it's all means to the end. Uh, and and I, uh, I always really uh, strict about it myself and I uh, hope I uh, managed to. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Professor Brown, we've taken uh, too much of your time. Can you please uh, tell us, as, uh, in closing, what you're currently working on? First of all, there is a second volume to this book. Uh, I promised that second volume in my introduction of uh, the Guide to Haredi Society. And now I fulfilled that promise. And, uh, and this volume, unlike the uh, uh, first volume, is more centered on soci- sociology once again. When I speak about centered on, it's called uh, Guide to Haredi Society, uh, Structures and uh, Dynamics, which is less about beliefs and and, uh, groups, but more about uh, uh, social dynamics and structures. But once again, I'm very strict about that as well, that when I speak about uh, uh, structures and dynamics, it's not only politics, sociology, economy, uh, housing, etc., but it's also about education. And when I discover Haredi education, it's... uh, kind of actually describing how Shiva looks like in terms of uh, atmosphere, but also in terms, in terms of curriculum and study methods. And a part of the dynamics in the Haredi world is not only about uh, sociology, but also about uh, uh, culture. And two chapters are uh, dedicated in the new book to Haredi literature, Haredi 
אידיאולוגיקל אנד תיאולוגיקל ליטרטור, אין וואן צ'אפטר, אני חרדי הלכיק, ליגל תיאורטיקל, ליגל תיאורטיקל, ליגל תיאורטיקל, ליגל תיאורטיקל, ליטרטור, All those are also analyzed in depth and in detail in, in this new book. So it's kind of a complementary book to the previous one. Another thing is I'm working on, once again, it's really near future, kind of, it's really in the last stages, stages is a book on Karlin Hasidism. Uh, I'm also a part of uh, a group uh, that wrote the book uh, Hasidism, New History, that's about to appear in this December in uh, Princeton University Press. And uh, part of my interest in Hasidism uh, is I focused on, uh, is that I focused on Karlin Hasidism, a very interesting Hasidism, Hasidic group, uh, one of the earliest ones and exists uh, to date. And it's quite different from the, all the, the theological Hasidic groups that are often studied, such as Chabad and Breslev. Uh, this is much less theology-centered Hasidism, but uh, has its own interesting uh, world of values, beliefs, and uh, social dynamics. And uh, uh, apart from these uh, interests, I'm also still uh, more or less in general philosophy. So I, I have published this summer a book on uh, epistemology, but I'm working thoroughly on a book on ontolo- formal ontology, which I assume will have much lesser and smaller readership than my, bo- than my books on uh, Judaism. I don't have any illusions about that. But it's okay, that's uh, also one of the prices you have to pay, and that's uh, one of the things I'm most interested in, so it's okay with me. Well, Professor Brown, this all sounds like great projects. Uh, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I really enjoyed from, uh, it, I learned from it, and uh, take care. And to you listeners, uh, thank you for listening. Please make sure to check out other interviews in our newly established Israel Studies channel, and uh, bye-bye. Thank you.